to lead into episode two of season one, here is a countdown of things that Betty Draper values in descending order. Starting with number five, Sally's life. Number four, gimlets, but not if they are served with lobster Newberg. Number three, Sally's face, (laughs) only her face specifically. Number two, whatever dry cleaning items were in the bag that Sally put over her head and dumped the clothes out for. Number one, now and always, cigarettes. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Speaking of questionable valuation, throw your brand new TV set out the window. You don't need it anymore. You have us. This is Mad Men and Tonic, episode two. For season one, episode two is the vodka gimlet, which is one of Betty's signature drinks through the whole series. Yeah, maybe her, her, maybe the signature drink. Yeah, and it's also much more of a vibe that I connect to. Um, I like it a lot better than the old fashions we had last time, so I will be telling you how to make this one, and Elias will be listening intently and um, so admiring my. My work. So I can make them for her in the future. Yeah, so nice. It's an instruction for me too. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So the vodka gimlet is a variation on the gimlet, which is classically made with gin. Um, I guess there's the variation with made with rum is also technically a daiquiri, which I didn't know because to me, the only daiquiris that I'd had were the ones that I ordered as a kid, a virgin daiquiri at like Applebee's. A strawberry daiquiri, and it was just like a smoothie, yeah, like a strawberry, strawberry smoothie. smoothie. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know that I buy that, but it is. I mean, you can know that gin is the British drink of choice, and vodka is the American bastardization of a gin drink of choice. Yeah. So, if you know the difference between British and American gin, you can tell that vodka is the way that Americans go with this drink. Yeah, it's delicious. So I'm pleased with that. <laughs> Um, so in addition to, you know, picking your liquor variation, there's a few areas where the gimlet has divergences in popular opinion. One is the origin story. Another is the, the, um, ratio of alcohol to lime juice. And the third is the type of lime ingredient that you use. Yeah, no, it was fascinating stuff, actually. So the first question is the origin. So one story is that it was named after Surgeon Admiral Sir Thomas Gimlet, who was said to have been the first person to add a lime cordial to the daily gin allotment of sailors to help them combat scurvy. Right. That was a big problem back in the day. That is why the British have the nickname Limeys. The Navy... The, na- the Royal Navy. Limeys. I think it might be derogatory, but it was because they always had limes on the ship because vitamin C is the simple and easy preventative cure for scurvy. Yeah. Um, limes keep longer than other mm. citrus fruits and other sources of vitamin C. Why not throw it in your daily allotment of gin? Yeah, I have more questions about that. I'm like, the lime part makes perfect sense, but why you just had an amount of gin that you were rationed every day is a different question. Well, being in the Navy sounds horrible, and I believe it was <laughs> Churchill that said the only things he got from the Navy were rum, sodomy, and the lash. So, The lash? Tr- what is that? I think it's, is it whiplash or is it the like clap? Chlamydia. I don't know. <laughs> But that was a oh. wartime hero and prime minister of England's yeah. quote about the Navy. So go forth with your gimlets. Yes. <laughs> um, another variation of the origin story is that it's derived from the name of the tool for drilling small holes in wood. And the word that has been um, captured from that is just describing the effect of sharp piercing. Yeah. Um, and therefore the, the cocktail might have been named for its 
quote, penetrating effects on the drinker. Sweet drinks. Go get you. Yeah. And I've had like, you know, a third of the one that I made for this and... It's a very warming one. Yeah, really, good. I'm feeling good, and it tastes easy. It's easier like to drink than a martini, so it goes down smoother. Um, then, like I said, the second area where reasonable minds differ as to making yeah. a gimlet is the proportions. So, the old, you know, the old time proportions were, as Raymond Chandler put it in *The Long Goodbye*, a real gimlet is half gin and half roses, lime juice, and nothing else. See, yes, see. Yeah. I'll go to the toffee pictures and yes. talk about it. Gumshoe. <laughs> so that was, you know, but our modern palates are more refined and don't like such a sweet one-to-one drink. So nowadays more people will drink like a two gin, two parts gin or vodka to one part lime or some more variation where it's not as equal. Yeah. And I think a lot of this does come from, the fact that Rose's lime juice is a cordial and not just lime juice. Mm-hmm. And it is sweet on its own. So a half and half is going to be sweet. If you yeah. use one of the variations, which is just fresh lime juice, it's not going to be as sweet. Half and half might be really good, but that means you have to squeeze the lime juice. Uh, yeah. But if, you, if you're using fresh lime juice, then you would also use simple syrup right. to sweeten the drink. You can yeah. adjust it. Yeah. As, as you, but it'd be as a bit more wish, customizable. So. Um, but yeah, and then in any event, you'll put the ingredients, the vodka gin and the lime, either the lime cordial or the lime juice and sample syrup in a cocktail shaker over ice, shake it and pour it into a coupe glass and garnish with a lime wheel. And that is how you make that drink. So we will cheers and get started with season one, episode two. Okay. And we are in season one, episode two, titled Ladies' Room. And the episode opens with a double date. A double date of nightmares for most people because it's with your boss, his wife. It is Roger and his wife, Mona, mm-hmm. and Betty and Don. Yes. And they are criticizing the wait staff as a start. Roger gets right off to it, well, criticizing kind of like... the way he makes the dressing, wants more egg. Because um, they're doing like a table side Caesar dressing service, right. which I've never seen before. I've had like table side guac and like, I guess I've had a table side salad made, but not the dressing. Yeah. So it's pretty well, like yeah. old school, like bougie New right. York restaurant. And Roger is criticizing it as if, as if he's ever himself made a salad dressing. No. Or any Absolutely sort of has never done that. Yeah. Um, and it's a very nice restaurant and mm-hmm. they're already talking you know, they're already a, a, at least a drink deep, it seems like. You see some when empty or half empty yeah. glasses. And then you are, your guess is a confirmed when Roger, after criticizing them, orders more drinks. He says the table's a bit dry. And uh, they all order another round of drinks. Yeah. And the conversation goes right into Roger's history with nannies. Mm, he had two mm-hmm. nannies. One that he loved, uh, Belvedere. I yeah, guess. and he calls she it Belva. Him, yeah, she made him fried chicken to take to school. Yeah. And of course, Mona's playful about it, but like can't stop talking about. He's like, "You loved Belvedere. Yeah. You're sweet, Belvedere." Then, in a moment of Roger's uh, brilliance, had another nanny originally, German girl, round face, enormous bosom. My parents got rid of her after the Lindbergh baby. The historical oh context behind that God. one, we could spend a whole like bonus episode of this podcast discussing the problematics with that statement Mm -hmm. at least now well there's plenty of podcasts that'll discuss the Lindbergh baby kidnapping if you need to get into that in this particular scene they all chuckle at that that's a good joke when did that happen the 20s the 20s so that was like they were they're kind of young to like be thinking about it I guess Roger's not really but anyway Yeah. yeah You can just see the age gap here, and, and Betty's clearly nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, She's, like, super, like, nervously, like, chatty. Right. Yeah, talking about a lot. And Don, of course, being Don, doesn't give up anything other than comparing himself to Moses. Um, and that's when the women go to the bathroom mm-hmm. to powder their noses, as they say. Yes. And uh, Roger immediately comments, again, his way of playfully dressing down Don. Uh, that he uh, knows more about Don's wife than he knows about his own. 
And uh, Don says, well, your wife's a better drinker. Yeah. Uh, so clearly both sides acknowledge that Betty is... Yeah, yeah, a little tipsy. Like you do when you get in an uncomfortable social situation, especially when it's like, you know, you're someone you need to impress. Right. And you get nervous, so yeah. you just keep drinking and... But the, the guys just keep going. I mean, it's kind of their lifestyle. That was their yeah. one, that was their one like personal foray into each other's mm-hmm. lives and then drink away. Uh, then we switch to the bathroom. Uh, Betty and Mona have a brief conversation where Betty discusses her hands going numb, which Mona does not know what she's talking about. Yeah, Betty is like really casual, like trying to be really casual. Like, yeah, you know that thing where like your hands go numb? And Mona's like, no, <laughs> what are you talking about? Mona changes the subject to, it's almost, it seems like a, a veiled criticism and a compliment. I don't know what, I guess it's just a compliment about look at those lips. I bet it's not hard to hold on to a man like that. Yeah, because she's helping Betty put her lipstick on because her hands are shaking. But yeah, it's just kind of like, you're like, you know, a trophy wife and Don's like, a trophy husband so you guys are you've got your thing going nicely there don't you it almost justifies betty's nerves in a way because this is um like mona i'm not sure mona wants to be here frankly no i mean she's but uh it's an interesting interaction between someone that's very comfortable with where they are in life and someone that's still like getting accustomed to her husband's career obligations yeah Um, like going out into a to a dinner or like a businessy dinner in the city is like something that mona is not batting an eyelash at but for betty she's like nervous and she talks about it later and it's like a a big thing betty struggles in this scene and she struggles in multiple other ways throughout this episode that we'll talk about later yeah and then the last kind of comment in this scene is the um bathroom attendants are black women and they make a comment um after betty and Mona leave without, like, really tipping them anything. They say, you know, if those purses get any smaller, we're going to starve. And it's kind of, again, this comment on, like, the the race and class dynamics at play. Yeah, let's not forget. Let's not feel bad for anybody yet. (laughs) Yeah, it's 1960 and these women are not tipping their bathroom attendants. And, you know, they can clearly afford to, so. Not great. No. Um, And then they drive home, and this is, yeah, we referenced earlier that Betty comments, she's like, got like gut rot because she had like a bunch of vodka gimlets and a lobster Newberg. We're not going to go into it here, but look, lobster Newberg has its own little historical um, origin story, which Mm -hmm. is pretty great. And also, I love lobster. I don't think I would ever touch this particular dish. Um, Anyway, you. Once you look it up, you can see immediately why it doesn't go well with gimlets. Oh, I know. It's so rich. And then the gimlets are rich and sweet. It's like, oh my God, why would you do that to yourself? Um, and Betty's kind of like flattering Don, like, you know, that she loves seeing him like that. And he says, oh, you're sitting on my good side. But it just kind of shows, again, that she is like the sort of limited life outside of the home and how she sees it is through her husband. You know, that's what she's, where she's getting kind of her world view as far as business and all that right and then don i mean yeah because don kind of like he mentions to her he's like yeah you like when you turn the corner on your like third drink or second drink like i kind of wondered what was going on and asked her if she she was nervous and you know she kind of acknowledges that but mostly she's just trying to get some fresh air so she doesn't like puke in their car right puke up the cream lobster oh god um oh yeah and then don you know he says that he's been raised to see it as a sin of pride to go on about yourself like that. And so that's kind of a telling oh, yeah. thing about his Such later. a religious man, Don Draper. Yeah, like he gives a shit. But yeah. like it's telling about his sort of privacy that we'll see as the show continues. Um, then they get home and they're t- they bring back this nanny discussion. And Betty asks, like, did you ever have a nanny? And it's bizarre that she doesn't know as his wife. Do these people, which brings you back to what Roger said earlier about him knowing Betty better than he knows Mona. Do these people speak? Yeah, no. I mean, they're just gaze are, upon each other's beautiful marriages? face. <laughs> Raymond Chandler yeah. style say, I saw her and I liked her. That dame they, on the stairs there. We were married in two weeks' time because I said we were gonna. 
<laughs> I don't know. It, it, it yeah. literally seems like no one knows anything about their spouses. Yeah, but especially Betty about Dawn. Right, which, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they're, you know, smoking in bed. She's, she's mentions, you know, I, I just weird that I didn't, or, you know, I never knew that about you. And he's like, it's like politics, religion, and sex. Why talk about it? And then they fuck. And then... Betty wake is like awake afterwards, staring into the distance and wondering like what Don is thinking. It's a debate that comes up throughout the show on the, the message boards, if you will, about is January Jones bad at portraying Betty or is Betty an underwritten character that's hard to do much with? And this scene where she's like, who's in there? <laughs> and then a couple scenes in the car. It's really uncomfortable. And I just don't, they just don't seem to have given, in my opinion, in my opinion, in this scene, it's both. Mm-hmm. These two scenes, it's both. January Jones isn't doing much. And the writing is not that good for her. Yeah. Because it's really just trying to focus on how Dawn is this enigma. Right, yeah. She's she's like a stock character around him, like the beautiful wife. And this who is in their line is just a disastrous cliche of like a public service announcement thing. It just Mm -hmm. feels so fake to me, and I I don't know. I get what they're trying to do with these two scenes. It doesn't quite work yet. It's an unsettling scene or two for a couple reasons. Yeah. Well, I think, too, as we see like throughout this, you're right, Betty is underdeveloped. But she's also, like, raised with, she was raised with, like, such a emphasis on, like, poise and, like, properness and, like, doing and saying the right thing and looking the right way. And so she's really restrained in kind of how she can express things that are troubling her. So, yeah, it's interesting. All right, enough of this domestic 1960s issues. Let's get back to work. Mm Mm-hmm. And we start off with one of our favorite work relationships, Joan and Peggy. Oh, man. And Peggy, she's she's learning, it seems. We don't know how long it's been since the last episode. Yeah, like, it seems like a couple weeks or so, yeah, maybe. Joan, it's like, I, it's almost a compliment. She says, your next step's accessories. You're, like, you're dressing yeah. better. Yeah. You know? You're dressing a little better. You got that? She's got those spider bangs oh, where they're like spider legs. Yeah, no, I truly hate her hair in this season. <laughs> Um, not becoming on her. And, oh, I guess they talk about it's been the last two weeks, mm-hmm. so Peggy's feeling a little more comfortable. Telling um, people she has a job in Manhattan, so yeah. fancy. Yeah. Making $35 a week, which is $306 today. Yeah. Which is... And Joan's like, nothing to brag about. Yeah, you're still at the bottom. Yeah. And then we jump into the office, Don's office. Well, before um, that, we see someone sobbing in the women's restroom, yeah. and Joan is just kind of annoyed by it. Yeah, but Peggy seems to care, so yeah. she's still not completely comfortable with what's going on this in the office. This whole vibe. This mm-hmm. is like, for every drink poured in one of the executives' office, I think, there's a secretary. A woman, it's like, like when a bell rings and an angel gets their wings type yeah. thing, except the reverse of that Yeah, in the no, 60s. it's so sad. <laughs> um, anyway, we jump, after that, we jump into, we're in Don's office with Ken, Kinsey, a random guy who is here pretty often early, but I, I don't, don't know like who he guy, is. Yeah. And Sal and Don. And they're just basically roughhousing. Mm-hmm. Or as Christina put it in her notes, grab-assing. Um, yeah. With spray deodorant, which... Have you ever used a spray deodorant? I tried it like way back like in high school or something, and it's yeah. very strange. Well, Axe was all the rage back when mm. I was in middle school, and it shit doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they're doing... You know, messing around. Is this the product that they're going to have to advertise? And yeah, they're messing around to the point where someone is lying on the desk without their shirt on. Don Don incites this, but doesn't participate. Yeah, he's acting like really professional, but he's like, oh, we need some more research, so we better try the product out. (laughs) Yeah, and they, oh, they, there's no, this is definitely not the first time something like this has happened, you can tell. But Peggy runs in like, I was buzzing you, and then comes Burt Cooper. Mm-hmm. His name's on the building. Yeah, um, he's the Cooper of Sterling Cooper. Comes in, doesn't even bat an eye at this, though, really. I always thought it was Sterling who was responsible for the Navy attitude around this place. And, uh, 
Don, again, another great comeback. Yeah, he yeah. says, oh, it, that's what he, his joke is. Like, oh, yeah, it's a brazier account. We just figured out we can't sell them to men because there's, like, a guy pinned down with a shirt off in the office. Right, and Cooper yeah. just pretty much is like, okay, flaps like, his hands. You guys are just, yeah. yeah. Anyway, he pulls him out to try and convince Don to jump on board with this Nixon campaign. Richard um, Nixon. Richard yeah. M. Nixon. Richard Milhouse Nixon. Is that really? I'm pretty sure that's the one. Like the Simpsons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, they have a great conversation about some something beyond me. Some I'm sure it's on YouTube now. Some apology that Nixon had to make for his first scandal he had. Yeah, the checkers tapes. The it checkers was in that tapes. movie Dick. Did oh, you ever see that movie? I did. Yeah. 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 But who uh, was that in that? Like mm. Heather Graham or someone like Heather Graham, right? It was Kirsten early, Dunst, right? Was it? I think so. It was the early 2000s, so... So, one of those. Yeah, those would both make sense as cast <laughs> Probably neither of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we leave that scene... Uh, basically, Don is still not convinced that this is going to happen. Um, but... Uh, oh, yeah, anyway. and Don doesn't vote because, of course, he doesn't. Right. Of course he doesn't. And what basically Cooper's sale to him is that, well, the truth is that the 50s were kind to us because they were kind to Procter & Gamble and United Fruit, just the most heinous companies around that we would love to have, you know, sponsor our podcast. But uh, <laughs> but truly, like, like yeah, Cold War era exploitative firms. Yeah. Um, and then Cooper walks away. Uh, with no shoes on, which we will talk about that <laughs> more and more as the show goes yeah, on. Yeah, it's not an accident. Yeah. And again, what time is it in the office? It's lunchtime already. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> off we go. Kinsey comes up and asks if Don's still on for lunch. And Don goes, no. Don looks at his watch and says, no. <laughs> yeah. That's enough. Yeah. Hilarious. Just shot He's, down by Don again. Kinsey... Oh, Kinsey. Yeah. God, what a He's fucking a, goober. I know. He's the definition of a goober. And a cardigan. But he's, he clearly office. doesn't... He thinks very highly of himself. The cardigan and the suit thing. Did we talk about this last episode? It's horrifying. We probably did. I it's think horrifying. he probably wore a cardigan last episode, too. And Peggy brings in her lunch. Um, that's where we go to next, to Peggy at her desk. And the sandwich is just... It, it doesn't look like there's anything in the sandwich, but the banana is legitimately rotting. It's brown. Oh, it's so gross. But she's like, I need to keep bringing my lunch to work until I like. Yeah, it's the kind suburban moms keep in the freezer because they're gonna make banana bread, and she's taking that to work with her. Oh my god, Peggy sees this, or Joan sees this, and is appalled. Yeah, <laughs> just like she's like, what the no. fuck are you doing, Peggy? Here's how we <laughs> disgusting. And Peggy says, well, she can't afford it. So Joan says, oh, no, we can always afford lunch. She doesn't say that, yeah. but she does say that in the way and that And then she, she gets this. the guys to invite him, invite them to lunch. That's yeah. how you get lunch, is someone else pays for it. Right. She walks by the guys as they're reading a postcard from a rat king, Pete Campbell. Mm-hmm. Greetings from Niagara Falls. The wettest place on earth is apparently what they're laughing about on the back. That seems a little too clever. From Pete, <laughs> but uh, I yeah. guess he, you know, he's post wedding. He's pretty confident right now. Yeah. Because um, yeah, he's on his honeymoon in the Air Falls. And as they're looking at this, Joan just, I guess, a little before that, Joan just drops a line like, "Oh, let's go to Nordstrom's and try on these uh, sweater sweaters. sets." Yeah. And uh, snap to attention. The guys are like, "Oh, you want us to buy you lunch? You want us to go watch? You want us to buy you lunch? Hey, give them what's around." <laughs> and uh, they go off to a diner, mm-hmm. and that's where we get another really strange line. Is that Kins? No, Kinsey's not there. It's Cosgrove, Crane, and the Rando again. Yeah, I don't know. And one of them calls it the military-industrial boyfriend-girlfriend complex. Yeah, Cosgrove, I think. Which, yeah, uh, basically is just a dickish way to say, do you have a boyfriend? Mm -hmm. Um, And this is just a flirty lunch ensues and... Well, flirty except for from Peggy. One side. All the dudes and Joan is being, you know, kind of flirty or at least more gracious about it. Yeah. And yeah, they the guys make reference to the fact that there's sort of like bets in the office about who's going to hook up with Peggy. Little do they know... That Pete did. It's kind of surprising that Pete didn't 
fucking tell everybody already. Well, he was getting married the next day. Yeah, so so. I guess he's probably just been gone ever since it happened. But, yeah. And uh, they get a free lunch. Comes back to the office. But not before that, Ken Cosgrove tries to say... Proposition. Yeah, proposition Peggy. Say we can take the day off and go to the zoo. Gross. And then Kinsey, when Peggy returns, Kinsey asks if she... Enjoyed herself with the Hitler youth. One of uh, one of Kinsey's better lines, I would say. Yeah. Then we're back at home with Betty, and we meet Francine for the first time. Oh, Francine. And neighbor Francine, Francine um, who we just saw because we're well, I'm rewatching Big Love, and she shows up as one of LD's plural wives in Big Love. Um, love her, love Francine, all good. Yeah. Diff- well, diff- I don't love her different, character. Different characters, yeah. to say the least. Yes. But basically, she's come over to Betty's so that they can just, like, talk shit about everyone on the PTA, which looks really fun. <laughs> um, and But then they're, like, scandalized that a divorcee, a single mom, is moving into the neighborhood. Can you believe it? Oh, it must be so hard. Yeah. And they're, like, concerned about the real estate values going down. It's like, um, pretty sure she can afford one of these houses on her own. She's... You know, not someone you need to worry about. Um, and, yeah, they're like, can you imagine worrying about money at this point in our lives? Which, as someone that's 29, sure I can. <laughs> I don't own a, you know, five-bedroom home. It's and, insane. You know, two cars and all that. So, it's yeah, they're, you can just kind of see their, their worldview is pretty skewed. We're doing fine, though. All right? Just yeah, I mean, we're doing fine, but like... <laughs> You know, I don't have the same sense of, like, long-term security as they these gals do. Um, you can come back to their security. Yeah. Bit. Anyway, and then they're, they're, so they're both, like, just sitting there at the, the counter smoking. And then Francine stands up and she's pregnant. And it's just, like, a really, like, obvious, like, scene of, like, yeah. Remember when that was something that people weren't concerned about? Doctor says one pack a day and yeah. you're, you're fine. fine. It's not a big deal, right? It helps with the cravings. But then more more disturbingly, Sally, um, Betty and Don's daughter, runs in with a big plastic bag over her whole body. And Betty says, if the clothes from that dry cleaning bag are on the floor of my closet, you're going to be a very sorry young lady. Right. If you had your kid walk in and their whole body's covered in a plastic bag, <laughs> What's the first thing that you think of? Oh my god, I don't want them to suffocate. You rip it off as no, fast as you can. No, wrong. Um, it's the clothes on the floor by your closet. Yeah. And they're going to have to uh, make, make sure. Yeah, yeah. Make that right. Yes. <laughs> um, then Betty is driving along in the neighborhood with the kids in the back. She sees this divorcee moving in alone, wearing pants instead of a dress. God forbid. And then we see Betty's hands go numb and kind of start twitching again. And she careens into one of the neighbor's yards and, like, hits their bird bath. Luckily, she was driving a repurposed battleship. Yeah, this basically. old yellow boat a, of a car. A school bus that was cut in <laughs> half, over, you know, horizontally. Yeah. It is gigantic. The bird bath was no match. And the yeah. birds, we don't see what happened to no, any birds never there. Saw the birds. Um, the kids are fine because they weren't wearing seatbelts anyways. They just kind of fall into the... <laughs> they are just chuckling below. in the legs. Oh, yeah, space. they thought yeah. it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Which, thank goodness. Yes, yes. And then it cuts, like, right into Dawn banging Midge in her studio apartment again in the city. Right. And he's mad that she has a TV. He's like, A, when did you get this TV? B, you once went on a diatribe against TVs. And C, she can tell what the next question is. Is She, she tells him, if you want to ask, just ask the question. He says, where did you get it? Because he's like pissed because he thinks like another dude bought it for her, which I think is the implication that that is true. And he's all like miffed about it. And she just like goes and carries it and shoves it out the window of her New York apartment. And people yell below. She could have killed someone. It's a weird scene and ultimately a dangerous one because she throws a TV out from God knows how far. Yeah. And, and it, a woman you hear just it yells, crash hey. onto the road. Yeah, and... In New York City. Is this what New York is like? <laughs> Do you guys throw TVs out the window? 
Coming Kill up people. next week. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do a deep dive on that <laughs> statistic. All right, the next scene. Uh, we're coming home. home. Yeah. Uh, Betty is home with the kids, making them dinner. Um, and Don walks in. And the kids are pumped. They had a great day. They got to the <laughs> hospital. They got lollipops. Things are good. Um, and Don and Betty excuse the kids to go watch the same show that Midge was praising in the mm. last scene about people, uh, are, funny. people are funny, which yeah. I feel like that's a, like a early version of America's funniest home videos. Or I don't know. <laughs> I, I, don't yeah, know I don't know, but I can't imagine what that is. Um, anyway, Don and Betty are in the uh, kitchen talking about what happened at the hospital. He um, is to apologize that he missed her call because he makes up a thing at that they're at, a restaurant and they had to carry out like one of his co-workers he drank too much when really he was just like having sex with his mistress in the middle of the work day right so the conversation goes on and betty starts to float the idea of a psychiatrist which is what the hospital recommended to her and don uh loses his shit but he does it very subtly to start but you can see him visibly angry and then drop a couple of lines that are you know very strong like he says finally doctors must be so happy to have an answer for i don't know what's wrong with yeah like we can just blame it on your your brain right. and, and your nerves doesn't believe in this and that he says he thinks it could be a nervous condition and don's response is nervous about what driving so we'll go down to the grand union parking lot we'll practice your 10 and 2 in the graveyard yeah. you know they're all dead you're not gonna hit anyone there it, it is Something that we're still dealing with today. This type of stigma. But not nearly. We're getting in the, going in the right direction, it's... at least here. But but yeah, I mean, people are still mad about this kind of stuff. People mm-hmm. still view it as a like a personality Despite defect. On you. Yeah. Um, and Don's like, I mean, this is clearly an embarrassment to mm-hmm. uh, yeah. to him that this is even floated about his wife. And uh, he storms out of the room, says, leave the dishes for the maid. And we see them almost immediately up in the bedroom next. Mm-hmm. And kind of following up on the conversation. and Right. After Don does a number of, I think he does four <laughs> push-ups. And then, and then when Betty walks in, changes the number to, to, to like 100. Yeah. And... That's what I do when yeah. you come in and I'm like working out. Like, oh it. god, I got a great workout in. Stop it. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, then, you know. She tries she, to kind of talk him into the psychiatrist right. idea again. And she actually does it very subtly. I think it's probably her best scene in the episode, actually, um, mm-hmm. in terms of how it was written in the acting. Yeah. And uh, because it is actually convincing that this works on Don. And Don's response is, I always thought people saw a psychiatrist when they were unhappy, but look at you, I look at you and this and then, and that face, and I think, are you unhappy? But uh, he eventually concedes and says, you know. Well, that's her. She says whatever you think is best. It's still kind of left open, but he's like softened to the idea at this point. Back at the office, we have a meeting where everyone is here to impress Don. Even Kinsey is wearing a nice suit. Yeah, no cardigan. Yep, everyone's wearing their, like, dark, like, super press suits. Um, <laughs> someone apologizes for being late and because someone threw themselves in front of a train and there's just a comment like, ah, suicide. You know, just really a grim sort of overview over... Yeah. Thing hope hanging over their nice, lifestyles. Strongest survive type yeah. mentality for sure here. Yeah, and it's in addition to Don, it's Kinsey, Sal, Ken, and that random guy. <laughs> Don is wearing like a pinstripe suit. He's always a little more like Roger and Cooper, um, old fashioned kind of dressed than right. the young young guys. Not in like a dot a dowdy way, just in a you know, kind of age age appropriate way um in a boss appropriate way yeah yeah and they are working on that spray deodorant ad again that they were testing before 
And they've come up with this, like, astronaut concept. And Don is just, like, very perturbed by this. Like, number one, he says... Except some people think of the future and it upsets them. They see a rocket, they start building a bomb shelter. What? How'd you get there? I don't think it's ridiculous to assume we're looking for other planets because this one will end. The other one, his other comment is... I thought we had something here. Who is this moron flying around space? I mean, he pees in his pants. Which makes sense because in 1960, the U.S. was way behind the space race. Mm. And this is not the, like, wonderful thing that it turned into within the decade. Because Kennedy hadn't taken the office yet. And Kennedy was famous for saying, we'll get to the moon. Mm. And before that, mm -hmm. we were getting our asses kicked by Russia. <clears throat> Sputnik was up in the 50s. And I think by this point, we were getting close to having our first satellite up if we hadn't already. Mm -hmm. But space clearly does not carry the gravitas that it would even five years later. Yeah, right? yeah. Especially 10, ten years, years later, later when we get to the moon. Right. Huh. Yeah. Interesting point. And so, of course, Don goes, where? He goes to who's actually buying this? Women. What do women want? Like, you know, yeah. every advertising yeah. character will. Um, Sal says, I don't know, but I wish I had it. Ha ha ha. It's overly, you know, doth protest too much again, you know, <laughs> making that whole point. Um, and Don is like, no, like, you know, I want serious thoughts about this. I don't want some sort of like reverse psychology of like what like men, women think men want. Kinsey says, I tried to... I've stopped trying to figure out what they think. And Don says, maybe I should stop paying you. Fair. God, just burn it. But <laughs> yeah, he decimates them, basically. Yeah. And then, of course, Don goes back to what all Americans did at that point. Right? Mm -hmm. John Wayne. It's like, think about a cowboy, quiet and strong, always bringing the cattle home safe. They're all just like looking at him dumbstruck. And this, I mean, this is like, as we're watching, which ad do we like better? I think the astronaut's more interesting. But Don sells the cowboy but, better. But Don's, you yeah. know, this is this clearly doesn't contain the same genius that his, uh, you know, his spur of the moment ad for Lucky Strike did in episode one. Mm -hmm. This is a, clearly it's a brainstorming session as well. But. I don't know. It just feels super weird and kind of just emphasizes Don's regress, not regressiveness, reactionary nature at this point. They're pitching something new and modern and exciting. Mm -hmm. And he says, go with what works. Cowboys. Yeah, I don't know. Women I mean, want I've... cowboys. But astronauts too. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's just, I think it's demonstrating more his just like natural knack for like getting at the root of issues that advertisers face and that's, or that, you know, companies are facing. And that's why he's such a good creative. So I think it's, you know, a point to, to his, his mind and yeah. the, the gears turning for him. And it just seems like something he probably reverts to a lot to me. I don't know why. Like going back to that cowboy. Seems yeah. Like, yeah. Know, I think, yeah. And that's whereas fair. he got an astronaut. And he went back to Cowboy. He doesn't like astronauts, yeah. Yeah, he thinks of Peter Pants. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, then Peggy asked Kinsey how it went, and he's like, I've still got my novel. Just God, brutal. Yeah, like, he got yeah. brutalized for the second time in the episode mm -hmm. by Don in front of everybody. And then there's a plot device where Kinsey walks Peggy around the office and explains like what the different people do. But the way it's done is like, this is Kinsey's pickup line. Yeah, yeah. Let me it's show like you knowledge. the ropes. Let me show you the knowledge. And then he, again, just, I mean, just quip after quip mm -hmm. as he's sucking on his corncob pipe. <laughs> like, oh, God. I mean, one good, one good quip he has is... And no one tells the writers what to do except for the head of creative, your boss, Donald Draper. Don't think that just because he's good looking, he's not a writer. Yeah. It's like everyone knows Don is like the hottest person in the office. Yeah. Well, of course, okay. and, he, and he ends with a passable impression of Rod Serling from The Twilight Zone. Submitted for your approval, one Peter Campbell, 
A man who recently discovered that the only place for his hand is in your pocket. Pretty sure that actor could have done a lot better, but he played the character well and did it well, like, okay. Kinsey that, I mean, do a great impression of anyone. Yeah. The affectation is great. Mm-hmm. The way it's done is great. It's regarding Pete Campbell, and I just, I, I mean, it just that show is really important, and yeah, at this time especially, and it especially shows how by how offended he gets when Peggy's like, I don't like science fiction. Yeah. And that he just had his, like, loss of his astronaut idea, and now he's trying to, like, get back into, like, a, you know, right. more... And he makes another suicide science-y. reference because he's afraid that they might cancel the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Which it's the Twilight weird Zone... That that's a couple suicide references in this From episode. Kinsey. Yeah. We're not saying anything specific, though. Uh, <laughs> and, uh... Then... Kinsey goes on to insult the agency that he's working at, saying it's Cro-Magnon. Yeah, and the other agencies, they smoke weed, and here they don't, so it sucks. But we don't know what's in that corncob pipe. Yeah, probably weed. <laughs> and here we are, it's time for the scene of this episode and many more to come. Free. Roger walks into Don's office. Yeah, and, your favorite uh, character. Right, Roger. and Roger, again, loves to comedically dressed down Don. Just say, I'll never get used to the fact that most of the time it looks like you're doing nothing. And then they start drinking. It's 4.30. That's close enough. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a nice nice little glass halfway full of whiskey. It's yep. in the pot. It's yeah. like a tennis ball-sized glass. <laughs> and it's filled at least halfway. It's not Perfect. Enough. And uh, they briefly discuss Pete's involvement with the Nixon account and his trip to Niagara Falls, which... <laughs> Just redefines lack of imagination at, for a hundred destination. Yeah, which is, I mean, so good. They are in New York, and they go one hour. To yeah, and it's like Two he could afford to take know. her somewhere like fancier. Right. So he's just like such a fucking dick. And then again, Don rehashes what he asked Mitch earlier: What do women want? What he's been dealing with this whole episode for the pitch? What do women want? Don <laughs> Rogers' response is. Who cares? It's one of the big lines um, of the episode. And then from that, he gets into, he asks Roger about his daughter, who at the dinner in the first scene, they mentioned that she had gone to a psychiatrist. Roger gets really serious to say, I'm sure you must have been mistaken. Like I didn't say that. Yeah. yeah. And this is And Don kind of Don. gives a look like, huh. Right. But then Don kind of flourishes what he's saying, re-angles it, and says, who couldn't be happy with all this? He goes yeah, back to his Betty's conversation. Yeah, yeah. And Roger drops basically the line that describes what they think of uh, psychiatry in the episode. And women. <laughs> and women, yeah. It's like they want everything if other girls have it. Trust me, psychiatry is just this year's candy pink stove. Hmm. It's yeah. just more happiness. And that scene ends. It, it's great. Don looks cool just pondering those horribly sexist thoughts. Yeah, well, that was my comment. Was like how thoughts. handsome John Hamm um, looked smoking. But and then we go back at home, okay. and uh, kids are watching People Are Funny, that same show again, that we need to do some more research and figure out what that's about, yeah, probably. Um, but uh, Betty is wearing this, like, really, like, you know, cute at-home wife shirt dress of like white and pink stripes and this big like gold barrette and pearl earrings and just looks like you know pristine like she always does and she kisses don and smells booze and asks if he started on the train but he started in the office he says with a big smile on his face he pulls out a nice white gold watch that you know just mm-hmm. to show her that and he says when i told you you had everything i was wrong and he says that the head's one of those small heads that you have to be young to uh, read. Yeah. And, and she she does she loves it, I think. As someone whose love language is gift giving. It was Good touching move. it was touching to me to see. Right. But is this also a uh, <laughs> see? What? This could be your psychiatry. Yeah. No, I mean no. But I was just like, Oh, like what a nice you know, even though it's like meant to placate her. Yeah. Just like the thought of like, just uh, just because white gold watch is there, it's... right? Betty's <clears throat> Betty, <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, we'll see if United Fruit sponsors. Anyway, see what happens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But Betty actually shows a little machination here. You know, she's got, she's not going to just let this go because she kind of wants to go to the psychiatrist, it mm-hmm. seems like. And she Fair brings it her. up about Sally. It's like, what if she'd gotten a scar on her face? In that car accident. Yeah. From the other day. Uh, she, yeah. She's, a, she's afraid not that she could have killed the kids, but worse, that she could have disfigured them. Especially, Especially Sally. specifically Sally. She thinks that it is worse if a girl child has a scar on her face making her, you know, not conventionally attractive than if the kids died. And like a normal man from 1960 to 2020, if Betty starts shedding tears, and she does, Don goes, okay, 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 okay. Go. <laughs> <laughs> essentialist as he your own gender so it's more insulting to you than I, me, no but... it's a serious thing there's many times when the crying gets the job done and I think... but she's not trying to be manipulative she literally is just aghast at the prospect of a child that is not beautiful like her you know it's that's I mean it's not good but her emotions are real yeah, no, I don't doubt that, but I also know that she knows those emotions will work to get her to where she wants to go, which is the psychiatrist. Yeah, I don't know. I don't infer that that negative of a. I don't think motive. it's manipulation, but I think that this is another thing that's upset her about the accident that she needs to tell Don as a way to say that she needs to go. Next, Dawn is at Midge's apartment at 11 a.m. She she asks because of the time that it's a work day, because of the time of day if he got fired. And she tells him, or he, excuse me, he tells her that he's brought Betty into the city to see a doctor. And she says, don't talk to me about her. That makes me feel cruel, which, you know, is the first time that they're kind of acknowledging the fact of it being an affair and... The, you know, components of that. Um, but she's also left, she's also slept somewhere else that night. She's wearing her, like, evening dress and, like, this, she, she's wearing all these wigs this episode. I don't know, like, what the point of that was or, like, what that was meant to imply. Yeah, I don't get the weird, wig though. thing. And this one is either really messed up from the night before or just a horrible yeah, looking it's not, wig. It looks terrible. Yeah, it's not great. And then... Um, Don has to break in through her fire escape because she had lost her keys. Next thing, Don returns to work. Or no, Don doesn't return to work. They're back at work, and Sal is wondering whether Don is returning. And when Peggy says no, you know, he's out today, he's like, I am leaving. Don't tell anyone I was here. Which, I mean, I think we all know. He's not the only employee who... Has waited around for a supervisor to leave. We've all known these employees. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, why not? I mean, they're drinking all day in the office anyway, so does it really matter if they're there or not? Yeah. Then, oh, poor Peggy goes into Paul's office, and he, she says, thanks for the tour. It was really eye-opening, and he says, I don't think your eyes could get any wider. Gross. And then he puts some moves on her. He kisses her. Yeah, is that a compliment? Your eyes getting wider? No, it's like, you know, you're naive and like, you know, wide-eyed. Deer and headlight yeah. type thing. Oh. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. It's gross. And oh. then he kisses her, also gross, and she, you know, kind of just like stops, you know, stops him doing it. And then she makes a comment about we can't be doing this or something like that. He interprets it as that she, that she and Donna had slept together, and he's she's like, no, that's not the situation. She leaves and she's kind of angry, typing out in yeah. at her desk. Yet another moment where Kinsey shows that uh, he's just as bad as the rest of the little mm-hmm. frat, or the you know the Rat Pack going yeah. on. It's, even it's, though he's got a pseudo intellectual thing going right. on, he's still just like he's got this more comforting sleazy. vibe to him, and it's just a, it's bullshit. Yeah, um, 
then Joan comes over and she is like, why are you in such a bad mood? Did you go out drinking with the account boys again? Which the only time she did that really was like when Joan took her to lunch. So that's like pretty fresh of Joan to say. And finally, Peggy says, honestly, why is it that anytime a guy takes you to lunch around here, you're the dessert? And Joan matches Roger foot for foot in terms of just beautifully putting people back in their place. Yes. And providing yeah. some perspective. Whether it's good perspective or not depends. Joan and Roger in different situations. But, I mean, this is a great, great moment. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Peggy's like, I we have manners, <laughs> Bay Ridge, where I'm from. And Joan is like, you're the new girl and you're not much, so you might as well enjoy it, enjoy it. Like, as in the male attention, while it lasts. Which is, like, so gross to say. But, you know, from Joan's perspective, like, the power dynamics of the office for women is your, you know, ability to conform to, like, gender appearance standards and things like that. And she is, like, you know, one of the hotties of the office and looks down on those who are not the hotties of the office. But the way it comes off, and Joan says after that, I'm just trying to provide perspective, but the way she does it is such an interesting way. It's like, I'm your boss, number one, but number two, I have some empathy for what you're feeling, but number three, you're not as hot as me, but number four... We're still friends. I'm not mad at you or anything. No, you I know? think it's, it's kind really, of like fake. Like, oh, don't be offended. But, but yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it's as tactful. <sighs> well, it's kind of like didn't she do something like this last episode where she was like, you know, like I'm giving you this like great advice. I'm imparting on you, and it's like it's not her fault that the system is like fucked. But she's like. It's, reiterating it it's tough love in a way yeah. I think and it just sounds so brutal now yeah um, but then I mean it doesn't seem to phase Peggy that much she yeah, takes it as like legitimate offended, genuine yeah. advice yeah which is fascinating but, but yeah uh, and then all the the guys in the office like walk by her desk and check Peggy out like salaciously and like wink and it's just kind of gross and then Peggy opens her drawer and we see that she took the postcard that Pete sent like off the bulletin board and kept it in her drawer because she's... What is place Why? <laughs> she's... Why? Uh, it's, it's so weird. It's like terrible, but I'm like secretly, not secretly, I guess, but I'm like, there's a part of me that's like into like the Peggy Pete ship because it's like so disgusting. <laughs> oh, well, we've got a long way to go before we... Yeah. Uh, no, I know. Really discuss that one. But anyway... But she goes into the bathroom upset, but someone else is crying. And Peggy basically looks in the mirror and says, I'm better than that. Yeah. Because I thought she was going into the bathroom to cry herself initially. Yeah. And then she sees someone else crying and she's like, no, I'm more like Joan. This doesn't bother me as much as I I initially felt like it bothered me. Or she doesn't want to let it bother her. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, she straightens her little scarf out and leaves. And, yep. and then and then we go to another scene of ju- just uh, women upset. I don't know. No, women being treated like yeah. poorly in the we get to structural s- powers of the We get the to day. sit in on Betty's uh, psychiatry appointment. And it's what you'd expect those old psychiatry appointments <laughs> to be, where the, you don't even know that the psychiatrist is listening. He doesn't say a word in the whole scene. It's just She's Betty like laying on the couch filling and... the silence, laying on the couch, just yeah. saying, you know, I don't know why I'm here, other than her numb hands and the fact that she crashed the USS Chrysler into a bird bath. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then she talks about her mom dies. She asks if she could smoke. Doesn't say anything. Yeah, and it's weird. Brings up the atomic bomb in the Cold War. It all comes back together to Don's pitch about the Cold War. <laughs> Clearly, some people are upset people about certain things. People have like an underlying things. level yeah. of anxiety, which I right. think we all can relate to in the current. And then we time. jump uh, back to Midge, and she's got another wig on, and uh, basically she's with Don. We're getting all sexy again, and yeah, and she's trying to pitch to her. Yeah, and. 
well, first she tells him, you stink. So you got to shower before you leave. It's not like you had sex with someone, someone else, else all day. right. And I, yeah, I might smell. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, he asks, what do women want? You know, back to his back to his pitch. It all comes back to the pitch. Mm-hmm. And uh, Midge says, yeah, well, I'd never want to be asked something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he makes like a fake pitch. He's like, what do women want? You know, better than to ask. But then he actually needs a pen. And you hear her go, ugh. And she's annoyed. Yeah, she's she used to him like yeah. coming up with inspiration at inconvenient moments. Yeah, and he comes up with any excuse to get closer. I mean, that's pretty much Axe's tagline today, I think, is yeah. the, the magnets of the people running. So I think it's a good, yeah, it's a good line I mean, for what they're trying to go for. It's a pretty decent line from where they were Yeah. Uh, at the beginning during the brainstorm. And, of course, she's like, ah, God, there's that ego. <laughs> there's that ego. Yep. And then the final scene, they're... Don and Betty have gone out to dinner. Yeah, don't forget. Just themselves. Oh, yeah, your Don wife. Don was with Midge while Betty was at the psychiatrist's office. <laughs> yeah, and then he goes and picks her up and takes her to dinner. And she gets a, a gimlet again, but, like, starts with tomato juice at dinner, which yeah. is kind of bizarre. Is that Newberg still bothering her? <laughs> Gross. Trying to fill up beforehand? Yeah. Um, And then they have a little dinner together and... Cute little risque conversation for 1960, I'd say. Oh, yeah. They're talking about, like, prank calls with naughty yeah. names in the phone book, like fake names, like Seymour Butts. That's not the example they used, Pat but that's McGroin. the one I can think of. Pat McGroin. Yeah. And she giggles at it. Yeah. I mean, she's like, Pat McGroin, oh, it's, it's timeless. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. And they have a nice time. I think it yeah. kind of re-solidifies Betty and it kind she of reinforces. She feels happy that he... Yeah. Approved of her going. And it reinforces Dawn, like, okay, she's happy. This is good. This yeah. Is over. It's not a big deal. <laughs> and then they get home, and Dawn calls her fucking therapist on the phone to ask how the appointment was and what she said. Hello? This is the husband. Yeah. Tell me everything. Yes, sir. We had an interesting conversation. Her wife is very troubled. Yeah. Disgusting. <laughs> It's just unbelievable. Like, I, I can't, I just... Yeah. That's when you... We're at the end of the episode and you need another drink. Yep. Because that is another twist, yet again, in episode two. Yep. At the very end. Just, by the way. You just can call angry. for your wife. It's not Very private. Good. Yeah. Yeah. God. Terrible. So this episode didn't have quite as many great quotes as the pilot, I didn't think. Which isn't saying a lot, because this still had a ton of great quotes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I think my favorite would be Don's pitch, where, you know, he finally comes up with the answer to his his quote his his quote line about what do women want, and it is any excuse to get closer. Yeah, I think it's hard to beat. I think yeah. it's good. It makes sense. I think it's still used today. Yeah, no, so it's a nice smooth. It it is smooth. Don Don working from the garbage scene where they were brainstorming cowboy versus astronaut mm-hmm. cowboys versus aliens and they Just got here it's sen- yeah. essential it's, question yeah. which i think is great um and then we go into sterling's gold which <laughs> just, just like lines. episode one yeah. sterling's lines were just all flawless through the whole episode They're always so what was your sterling gold um, mine would be the trust me psychiatry is just this year's candy pink stove. What a line from a woman that already has a candy pink kitchen aid mixer and would love nothing more than a candy pink stove. Oh yeah, I'd fucking go crazy over that. For me, I think it is the first scene Roger riffs for minutes before going into the story about his German maid and the Lindbergh baby, which is just unbelievable. Like, oh what, a, what a poll. Yeah. What writer came up with so something funny. like that? It is, it's brilliant. Yeah. Also, um, what do women want? Who cares? Yeah. Another this classic just, one-liner from him. Yeah. Flawless. Again, from Sterling. 10 out of 10. Always. Um, the best outfits... I we didn't really discuss all these outfits as we went along, but I liked Betty's outfit in the opening scene where she's wearing this like white dress that has the big like crinoline like poof 
af below the waist, um, you know, very, still very, like, 50s style, early 60s. It has, like, a floral pink and blue and purple and green print with, like, a, a big band at the waist and, like, these, like, turquoisey kind of, like, big stone earrings, which is, it's kind of interesting. It's not a very, it's not, like, the look I would associate with, like, East Coast, you know, proper money, but it's, it looks really, I mean, everything looks gorgeous on her. She looks good. And then I also liked her outfit when, after they'd gone back from the hospital and, like, when they were out for their drive, she's wearing, like, a more casual outfit with, like, these, like, plaid pants and this, like, light yellow sweater with embroidery and a headband and pearl studs, and she just looks, like, very June Cleaver and, you know, very cute. She it, always looks great. Yeah. I mean... Acting qualms aside, character qualms aside, she looks the part, that's for sure. I will say I don't think it's an acting problem after watching her in, like, another series. I think it's – she's playing the part she's supposed to be playing. I think this will not be the last time we discuss this. Yeah, but anyway. I think my best outfit goes to Sal coming in and asking Peggy where Don is. He's wearing a gray suit. With a little red striped tie and a black vest. Very interesting combination. I think it looks good, especially given the fact that once he finds out Don's sick, he was never there. He's leaving. He's ready to go out. Yeah. Have perfect, a good time. Perfect. After that. Day to night outfit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, who is fired this episode? Ugh, Kinsey. Because at first, you know, he seemed like a little bit more, you know, he seemed a little different from these other creeps, mm -hmm. but he's just as bad as he proves to Peggy when he, like, corners her in his office and, like, tries to, like, buddy up to her in order just to hook up with her. It's just like the other guys. He's just, like, going about it differently. Yeah, I don't think there's any real debate who is the, the low end of the totem pole in this episode. Just Kinsey... Denied, denied, denied. Horrible pickup line. Peggy's just not buying it at all. She thinks it's a friendly tour, and it's yeah. No, it's sad. It's the opposite. It's it's not sad. I, well, it's I, sad for know, Peggy like, to like you know think she has an ally in the office, and then he's just creepy nope, too. Just another one. This yeah. one just has a cardigan and a corn cob pipe. They come in all shapes. Yep. <laughs> now, who do you think's promoted? I would promote. Betty this episode because hmm. she, she she like advocated for herself and like kept pushing the therapy thing even though it was like a hard sell and even though Dawn kind of shot her down on it a couple times you know she just kind of found different ways to talk about it and made it known that it was something that you know she thought was going to help her and she ended up getting to go. It was quite a turnaround episode for Betty because she went from embarrassing herself in front of Don's boss and, and his wife to crashing her boat into a birdbath <laughs> and then turning around and actually making a point for herself to then again just having the most uncomfortable therapy session. I mean, I don't know yeah, if that's well, what they're all like. That. Oof. No. But, uh... I mean, she didn't know that it would be like that, though, and I think it's still better than nothing for her. It was quite a voyage, yeah. this episode, for Peggy. Who's your promotion? Uh, my promotion is Peggy. Yeah. Okay. I think that Peggy is the only one in the office that show, has shown any emotional growth through these first two episodes, and I think that's... I know that's the point of her character, but uh, she went from being just a mess to... Actually asserting herself much better. She didn't give in to Kinsey. She was a bit more combative with Joan. Mm -hmm. We didn't get much of her interaction with Dawn this, this yeah, episode, except true. that she said, I was buzzing you. It's not yeah. my fault that the yeah. guy on the building's coming in now. Um, and yeah, it really seems like she is getting comfortable. And the scene in the bathroom especially, she's like, I'm stronger than... Mm -hmm. I'm stronger than these other secretaries. This shit's not going to bother me. So I yeah. think she really asserted herself this yeah. episode. Coming into her own. And then as far as ratings, this episode is the lowest rating episode on of the show on IMDb with a 7.6, which is still a... Yeah, nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. But, you know, I do think that it's, it's a weaker episode. Um, 
I think we're doing our power rankings by season. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I don't think that there's any, like, this episode does not compare to the first episode. No. Yeah. But I I know of an episode coming up in this season that I think is substantially worse. Well, we'll get there in our Not, like, bad, rankings. but still. I'm just saying, like, this episode is, like, you know, it holds its own, but it's not a great or even one of the top. Ones. In a way, it felt more expository than the first one, which is so mm-hmm. interesting. Where they put out just this perfect pilot, and they're like, um, "Now oh, we go. Now that we've got people in, which, which makes a lot of sense." And not to say this episode's bad in any way. Yeah. But again, I come back to my episodes with my issues with Betty, and I just don't think that character is really convincing in any way in this mm-hmm. episode, other than. That brief scene she has with Dawn where she's presented with the the watch and she briefly talks with him about their daughter and kind of starts to smooth him into letting her go to therapy. Otherwise, I just, I and I still am reserving judgment at this point, whether it's the acting or the writing, but the Betty character is just not, doesn't work right now. Yeah. Right, well, that is season one, episode two, and we will be back for the next one.